we have a multiple set of um, ways that you can get into the Word this morning. And you would have heard Michelle mention her favourite scripture. And when I talked to her um, and talked to Jeeves and Michelle earlier, um, they suggested this might be a, a scripture that we could look at this morning. And it actually fits really, really well. So I want to read with you 1 John from chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. Just a short section but it's packed with truth and packed with things that are, that are good for us to know and, and that God wants us to know. So read with me. Um, 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Just a short scripture there, but as I said, it's just packed with truth. And as you guessed, we're going to talk about love this morning. It's hard to escape that by reading that, can't you? And we're going to actually talk about God is love. And when I wrote that on the top of my paper when I was preparing that, I thought, that is so common, isn't it? You know, God is love. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, of course you have. You know, but in some senses, when I started thinking about it, it's so common, it's kind of even overdone, isn't it? Oh, God is love. We, we, we put that out everywhere. You know, God is... What does that mean? It can be a little bit overdone. It can become a little bit... We can become a little bit, um, um, you know, dull to it, if you like. But when we think about love, when I think about love and when, when you think about love... What we do recognise is that love, or to be loved, is a universal desire, isn't it? There is not a human on the face of the earth that doesn't have the desire to be loved. Every human wants it. Every human needs it. Um, we will do, as humans, we will do a lot. Uh, we will pay a lot. We will make a great effort to get love, to be loved. Um, Life is lived looking for it in lots of different ways. When you think about it, even through whether it's career or the things that you do or socially, our lives are lived looking for, looking for the source of, of what's going to tell us, who's going to tell us, what's going to give us value, what's going to tell us that we're loved. And we look in the right places, but we also look in the wrong places as humans so many times, don't we? And we also know that without love, physically the body can even fail. If you talk to doctors and that, you know that if someone's if you, without any love at all, physically... So it's fair to say that we need love, isn't it? But it's also fair to say that the nature of love is that we need to receive it, but we also need to give it. Um, it's like, can you imagine a body of water that's flowing? If it only stops in that one place, it becomes... It stinks. It's got to move out. So love is like that. It's got to come in and it's got to go out. If it just stays there stagnant, it'll stink. So 
One of the one of the truths, one of the things that we need to understand about love is that we we need it as human beings, and that's built into us by God. But we also need to be able to give it, and John helps us understand that really well. The problem is in our world, we receive it through, uh, and it has it has tags, it has something attached to it. It can be manipulation, or we can receive love that's corrupted if you like, or, or love that isn't genuine, or love that seeks to, to, to use or abuse, or, and love, we can receive it in a broken way. But that also means that we can give it in a broken way too, can't we? We can give our love with, with agendas. We can give love with um, looking for something. We can give love out of brokenness. And it's like that, that stream needs to flow healthy, doesn't it? So that's why John addresses this really, what seems like a really simple thing. The question of love, where does it come from? How can I get it? And how do I love is a huge part of our lives. And if you just stop and think about it, and it's easy for me to say that, but this week, sitting there, I started thinking about it. So much of my life, so much of our lives is this, is learning how we get that sense of love. And love is, is shaped in and... and uh, in all sorts of ways, isn't it? It can be acceptance, it can be feeling worthy, it can be uh, feeling successful, it can be so many things that communicate love to us. But it's a huge part of our life and everyone asks for it. And the answers that we find in looking for love can, can and often do determine the direction and the character of our lives. Those of you that work in counselling, those of you that, that work in, in the medical or those of you that even just work with people or discipling will know that um, the way that we receive love, the way that humans receive love or experience it, rightly or wrongly, can determine the direction or the character of the lives and even the persons, can't they? And so then we hear that and through all that we hear this, God is love. Through all of that that I've just said, we hear God is love and we wonder with the world the way it is. It's broken, it's corrupted, it's evil. Evil is prevalent everywhere, there's suffering everywhere. The world is damaged, the world is broken. We wonder with a world like that and we wonder about ourselves. Just little me, um, I'm, I'm broken, sin plays a part in my life and, and I have times of rebellion myself. Can there really be a God that loves us? And if God is so great, and the world is so diverse, does he really love me? Does he really see me? I'm just such a small part of this whole world, aren't I? Well, John here says that he can, that there can be a God that loves us. And he said he does love us. And what's more, he's helping us to see that this is God's very nature to love. I, there's a quote, Dave Jackman in a commentary that I was reading said this, and I think we've got the quotes up here, yep, we need to realise that such an infinite yet personal creator is not too great to be bothered with my tiny life. He's actually so great that he can be bothered with each of us individually. That's encouraging, isn't it? This is a really big God and you think, wow, you're probably busy with COVID right now going off. You know, you're probably busy with wars and all sorts of things. When I was a kid, I used to think, how can God think of me when there's so much for God to think about in the world? Well, he's so great. Not only is he 
that he's not too great to be bothered. He's so great that he can be bothered with you and me. That's really encouraging. And a really key thing that, God, that John is telling us here is that love comes from God undeserved, without first earning it. God loves because it's his nature. It's, he's the origin of love. He's the source of love. And it goes right back to creation when, when, when God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, when creation was, and, and particularly us as humans, we were created to give expression, to give in the Trinity, in the Godhead. So God doesn't simply love. He doesn't just simply do it. He is love. It's the essence of his being. So John tells us that God's love is God-initiated. And it's really interesting because that connects really well with the baptism. We talked about God-initiating. Well, here it is again, you know, where he says that it's God-initiated. You know, baby gets it without performing, and we get it without performing. The initiative is entirely God. In fact, he decides to manifest his love. He even decides to manifest his love to those who don't love him and don't want to love him. Think about that. God, his very nature is love and he even loves those that don't love him and don't want to love him. A world of lost sinners. And yes, even me. There are times in my life where I don't love God and I don't want to love him. And I think we can all identify with that. But he loves anyway. And if it were not for the fact that God is love, we couldn't expect mercy. We couldn't nurture. Because the initiative in the work of salvation comes from a God of love. The work of salvation itself is an expression of a God of love that moved first. And all this is really, really important for us to, to hear and to understand before we, uh, before we go deeper. It's comforting. It's very comforting to me that I don't have to have performed or got things right before God loves me. It's relieving because despite that, I try. Anybody else do that? We still try. I still fall into the trap of trying. And so this is a relief for me to know that God loves me anyway. I can't make God love me. You can't make God love you. It's really interesting. I started thinking about that. I can't do something so amazing that God can't help but love me. Have you ever done that? We said that about Enoch. Enoch is fully loved and yet he hasn't yet performed any great feat. I can't do something that's so out of this world. So God says, wow, I've just, I've just got to love this. You know, I can't do that. I can't be someone so amazing that it, that it triggers God's love for me. And you can't do that either. And even as a Christian, I can't be so sold out for Jesus so loving to God, so honouring to God, so glorifying to God, to the degree that will prompt God to release his love for me. I can't do that, and neither can you, because God loves me undeserved. Do you get that? And it sounds really simple, and it's easy to sit here on a Sunday, and it was easy for me to read that, but I started thinking about it. Because the truth is... I, most of you probably wouldn't, but I do attempt to do things to, to ingratiate myself with God. And I do try to be someone amazing, you know, read my Bible all the time and, and pray and, 
And I do try to be nice to people and you know, listen to people that I'd rather not listen to for half an hour. Or is that just me? Now, I do try to be someone amazed and glorify him and honour him and, and, and love God. And, you know, and, 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 and maybe not all the time, but you know, there's something in me, there's something in humans that thinks, surely that's going to just give me a move. That's going to give me something with God, that, that God's going to love me because of that. It's so important for us to get that love is not from me or love is by being good or by being amazing or to try to earn it somehow. And a byproduct of that is we give it conditionally to them. When we feel like it's conditioned, it's conditional if we get it, that's how we're going to give it. Because it's not our nature. God's nature is love. It's not our nature. Our nature is ourselves. And sin did that. And this can have an effect on how we understand God's love. You see, because if I think that I need to earn God's love, if I think that I need to be amazing, if I think I need to be really spiritual, and I know that I'm not making it, or if I'm receiving, I see God's love, I'm not going to trust it. But the truth is that God moved first with love. You know, we get to see God's love in in many and varied and different ways, don't we? You can read books about it. You read a great book about someone's story about how they've discovered. We can listen to testimonies. We heard it this morning, both from Jeeves and Michelle, and, and you might have heard many more. We can see specific examples of God's love. We can see answered prayer, and, and all those things are, are great, and they're very personal. But our text, in our text, John tells us there are two major ways that God reveals his love to us. We can experience it in lots of different ways, but there are two major ways that it's revealed to us. One is in the cross and the second is through his people and that's what John's trying to tell us here. So the first one is in the cross and in verse 9 and 10 um, we can see that uh, that John said in this the love of God was made manifest or this is how we could see it. It was revealed among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we've loved, but loved God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And we also know that from a number of other scriptures, and there's a couple there. In his, in John in his gospel said it back when John wrote the gospel. He said it in John 3, verse 16, didn't he? How many of you, how many of you don't know that verse, John 3, 16? Put your hand up. We're going to start a class after this then. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then Paul reminds his listeners, doesn't he, in Romans, he reminds the the readers and he says the same thing again. He says, but God shows his love, manifests his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's one of my favourite verses because that tells me that There was nothing that I did to deserve it. In fact, while I was still rebelling, while I was in the middle of robbing the bank or doing whatever I was doing, Christ died for me. Undeserved. And so John wants us to see that. In this scripture here in 1 John, he wants us to understand that that God's love for us is revealed in the cross. God's love is manifest in an action 
that benefits us to the point of self-sacrifice. John says this is how God shows his love for us and perhaps the greatest way we'll ever see God's love. My sin, our sin, my rejection of God, my selfishness and all that was not greater than God's love. My sin, my rejection, my rebellion could not deter or repel God's love. And the cross, which is a statement of, it's a shout of God's love to us, was enough to cover my and your sin. John uses the word propitiation. and You might think, what does that mean? That's a big word, but basically it's, if you look in a dictionary, it means an appeasement, that the debt is appeased, that, that an appeasement has taken place, regaining favour. It's all fixed. It's done. And John says he gave Jesus as a propitiation. It's enough. That, that we're, we've appeased uh, the person that we've offended. God sent his only son to do this. He's one and only. He loved his son and he sent his son. You know, there's a few quotes that I wanted to read because I think they're really great and I wanted to, to share them with you. Because this really puts the emphasis. There's so many people in history that have understood what John's saying here and have tried to give it expression and tried to help us understand that. Again, in the same commentary, one son, and he was sent into a hostile environment, into a rebel world, on a rescue mission to redeem us and to reconcile us to God. And this is love. That's how he wanted to express it. A well-known Tim Keller quote. The gospel is this. The good news. Gospel means good news is this. We are more sinful and flawed, yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared to hope. And then there's one more I want to share with you. Good old Spurgeon. The language is old, but this guy, he just... Every sermon he wrote, he, you could see he was wrestling with an understanding of himself and he just wanted his listeners. He said this, Our redemption, <clears throat> like our election, springs from the spontaneous, self-originating love of God. And our regeneration, in which we are made actual partakers of the divine blessings, we share in the divine blessings of Jesus Christ, was not of us, not by us, we were not converted where we regenerated because some good thing was in us by nature. But we owe our new birth entirely to this potent love, which dealt with us effectually turning us from death to life, from darkness to light, and from the alienation of our mind and the enmity of our spirit into that delightful path of love in which we are now travelling to the skies." You've got to read that a few times, don't you? There's a lot of words in there, but you can just feel the excitement and you can just feel the conviction that he has. And basically saying, there is nothing we did. God, this amazing thing. He, he not just saved us, but he's regenerating us and he's taken us from death to life. And we're on our way to him. And how exciting is that? And that's because God loved us. Take a photo of that quote if you can and read it again because it's just a ripper. So I said there was two ways, in the cross, but John also talks about his love, God's love being revealed through his people or in his people, you and me. 
John tells us that God's love, the kind that we're all looking for, is perfected or made complete in us. Did you see that right at the end in verse 12? I think it was. Yep. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. So listen to the order there. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Maybe you could say his love is displayed in or through us. Because we are God's love creation, we're the things that God determined to use to express it to the world. Now, God could directly do it, couldn't he? But because we're a part of the creation, because we are God's love creation, he decided, I'm going to use my... Now, how do you feel about that? I don't know about you, but this feels like a challenge and an awesome responsibility that this love... The, God, the, the love of God that, man, that God manifests in the cross, that same all-giving, sacrificing love could be perfected in me, could be displayed in me. I feel incredibly challenged by that, that God wants me to be the one to show the world what his love looks like, to show you. But this section is almost bookended by the fact that we need to love one another, isn't it? In verse 7... It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And then, back in, and then down in verse, love one another. I want you to be the display of my love. And in fact, he closes off the chapter a little later, and I haven't got that on the slide, but he closes off the chapter in, in verse 21, and it says this, And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So the way I love you and the way that you love me is meant to be a display of God's love. So when you love the way that you love me and the way that I show love to you, you should say, that's how God loves. That's a picture of God's amazing love. That scares me. What about you? Experience. You experience the love of God through his people. This church is a place where this love is supposed to be manifest. It is to be manifest. It's a commandment. Or think of your fellow and any other fellowship, a life group, or in community ministries, or in a family, or in, in social settings, or even in sports clubs. Wherever people that love God are gathered. Because didn't you say that? Whoever loves God, if you have God, wherever people that love God are gathered, they are to manifest his love to those around him. Now, you and I can imagine how we do that in church because we speak church, church talk in here, don't we? Even in life group, use a religious language. Or, but what about if you're supposed to do that everywhere? Think about that. At work, that annoying colleague, the checkout chick that is going way too slow, the person in traffic... That just doesn't seem to, they got their license out of a cornflakes box. You know, that, that, that fa- those friends that, that say stupid stuff. All of those things. If God's love is in you, those who love God must love his brother, must love. That's huge. But God says, that's, you see, John says that, you see God's love manifest in the cross. I get that. And I can, I can work that out theologically. But he's saying, but you also see it in his people. 
And I'm one of his people, and so are you. Wherever God's people are, those are places where God's love is manifest. Wherever God's people are. Remember God's love? That sacrificial, unmerited, freely given and costly love. That's manifest wherever God's people are. And you think, how do I do that? How does that work? And the secret's in verse 12, isn't it? If we look at verse 12, the secret is there. No one's ever seen God. If we, if we love one another, God abides in us. And then John speaks in the rest of the chapter about God abiding and us abiding in God. When God abides in us, when we allow God to take over, quote-unquote, and live in us, uh, and, and to dwell, abide. Another word for, for abide is to dwell, to allow God to dwell in us. And we know that the Holy Spirit lives in us, dwells in us, but we allow that. We allow him to take over. We give God the space to direct our lives. Think movies. Think of a movie director. Have you ever seen the, uh, a movie director, how they, they, they actually direct quite strongly? No, no, it's got to be like this. You've got to do it like this. No, the scene is not going to work. The rest of the movie is not going to work if you do that like that. Think of that. That's how, allowing God to direct our lives. No, no, this is how I need you to live. The rest of your life is not going to work unless you do it like this. We need to allow God to direct our lives in such a way that they will reflect his love to others. This is huge because not only can it change others, but it can change us. When you start to focus on, on doing that and being that, it changes you and it can change others. And who knows, but it could possibly change the world. Who knows that God's love couldn't actually change the world? Go figure. John goes on to exhort us to abide in him, to stay close to him, to remain in him to abide in his love, to reflect on that and enjoy it for ourselves as well. We do this in community. And that's why John talks about um, loving one another. You know, Let us love one another. We ought to love one another. You must love your brother. Because that's where we do it. We do this in community. There are times when my vision is blurred and I need you to remind me that God and you love me. And we call that the means of grace, don't we? We have all sorts of things. We've been given the means of grace. We've been given prayer, the word, community. And those are places and those are the means of grace that help love go from here to here and to be part of what God's given us. And it happens perpetually again and again. There are people hurting in our lives, in your life and in my life. They're there. They're not just out in the community. They are there, but they're in our lives as well. And they need us to show them. They need us to display the amazing, initiating and unmerited love of God for them. And that God, they need us to, to show them that God wants to abide in them too, to turn their world around. Week after week, and the message might be about different stuff, but today it's about love. We're so blessed to be reminded again and again through all sorts of things about this initiating of love in so many ways. Through a baby's baptism, through Enoch, God is saying, he has done nothing, yet he's mine and I love him. But my love is greater. You're mine and I love you that much. Through the community that God's given us, through each other in the world, God's saying, 
you matter. God is saying to me through you, Andrew, you matter. And I want to abide in you and I love you greatly. And he's saying that to you through me and to those around you. Remember where we started? Where I said that love was a universal desire? Every human wants it. Every human wants it and needs it. Well, it's there for us in God. Every human will do a lot, pay a lot, make a lot of effort to get it. We don't need to because God paid a lot. Because he made the effort. Life is lived looking for it, I said. We look, at it, we look for it in all the wrong places and the right places. We look for the source of love. Well, John tells us that God is a source. We don't need to look for him because he found us. Isn't that an amazing truth? That when we just look at a small section of scripture, when we just look at the way that God's love works, we recognize that we just all that's left for us to do is to give thanks and glory to God that he would love me in such a way as to give his life for me, that I could forever now go and live in that love relationship and that he would ask me, that he would trust me, that he would see that I could be a testimony, a manifestation of that love to you and to all the people around us. In this is love, not that we've loved God, not that I did anything great. sent his son to be the propitiation, to, to take care of, to appease the judgment so that we could be loved eternally. It's in a little baby. He's done nothing yet. And he's just, you know, his parents are smitten, right? God looks at you and he says, anything you've done? Because he loves you and it's his nature to love you. And we look at a broken world and we want it to be smitten and we get to be the ones that show the world what that love looks like. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word again today. Your love is amazing. It really is. And that rolls off the tongue so easily. And yet, there's so much truth in there. There's so much that, that I don't, that we don't grasp about the, the, the reach of your love, the source of your love and the way that you love. But Lord, thank you that just a little bit you've lifted the veil this, this morning and you've shown us what your love looks like. You've shown us that your love um, was not derailed, was not um, set apart or not stopped by our actions, or by the brokenness of the world. But you came right in the midst of that and said, this is love. This is what love looks like. And it comes wise. Lord, thank you for that command. Thank you first for filling me with a sense of your love, us with a sense of your love, but also for giving us the command, giving us the, the challenge, the encouragement to go and be that love to a broken world. Lord, I pray that as we witness things like baptisms and as we, we uh, interact with people, that there would be this reminder that we're loved and that we're called to do the same. There'd be this uh, reminder of you, and we'd be reminded of the fact that you live in and with us out of love. 
And Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen.